John Lovitz, is it true you're a huge fan of Radio Free Brooklyn? No. Uh, oh. Well, don't you listen to their show, The Next Best Thing? No. Okay. Well, will you check it out this Monday at 10 o'clock p.m.? No. All right, well, screw you, John Lovitz. The Next Best Thing, every Monday night from 10 until midnight on Radio Free Brooklyn. Fun for everyone except for John Lovitz, but don't worry about him, he's an asshole. Ooh, that one hurt. I will slap you in the mouth, John Lovitz. Ooh. If I had sneezed, I wouldn't have had a chance later that year in August to try to tell America about a dream that I had had. If I had sneezed, I wouldn't have been down in Selma, Alabama to see the great movement there. If I had sneezed, I wouldn't have been in Memphis to see a community rally around those brothers and sisters who are suffering. I'm so happy that I didn't sneeze. Well, I don't know what will happen now. We've got some difficult days ahead. But it really doesn't matter with me now because I've been to the mountaintop. And I don't mind. Like anybody, I would like to live A long life, longevity has its place. But I'm not concerned about that now. I just want to do God's will. And he's allowed me to go up to the mountain. And I've looked over. And I've seen the promised land. I may not get there with you. But I want you to know the night that we as a people will get to the promised land. So I'm happy tonight. I'm not worried about anything. I'm not fearing any man. Mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. All right. Thank you for listening to The Next Best Thing. Thank you for listening to Radio Free Brooklyn. That, of course, was the late Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. So that speech that you just heard, the I've been to the mountaintop speech, that was delivered on April 3rd, 1968 at the Mason Temple in Memphis, Tennessee. April 3rd, 1968, less than 24 hours later, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. would be shot, would be killed. Now, that's one of my favorite speeches. Obviously, when people talk about Dr. Martin Luther King, most people, if they know anything about him, they know the I Have a Dream speech. There's a lot of great speeches. That is particularly striking to me. It always has been. For the prophetic nature of it, the fact that he's talking about, I don't know what's going to happen now. I, of course, would like longevity. I would love to get there with you. I don't know if I will. It's almost like he knew Something was going to happen. It's almost like he had this foresight, this feeling of impending doom. He did, so I've read, always think he was going to die young. So did Malcolm X. And, of course, they both did. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., as distinguished a man he was, he actually was only, get this, 39 years old when he died. 39 years old. 39 Think about the impact he made on this country, 
on the world by age 39. I mean, it's, it's hard to fathom. Most people, a lot of people will live an entire lifetime and they won't have even a fraction of the impact that he had on the world. I will say this. I've been to the Lorraine Motel, which is where he was staying and where he was standing, where he happened to be when he was shot, when he was killed. To feel that history, to stand on the balcony and put your hands on the railing, to look over the balcony that he was looking over, to see the view that he was seeing. I've been in his motel room. I've seen, I mean, I'm sure it's a kind of a replica but they have it made up to look exactly as it did that night. The coffee mugs in the same spots, the jackets hung where they were, the bed was slightly unmade, and they have it exactly as they remember. And to look into the room and to kind of smell the smells and see the view, and you're just taken there. In that moment, that significant moment in history, it is very powerful. I would highly suggest you all visit the Lorraine Motel nowadays is the National Civil Rights Museum, and it is worth going to see. It's very educational. It's very powerful. Anywho, folks, thanks for listening to Radio Free Brooklyn. Thanks for listening to The Next Best Thing. Boy, oh boy, do we have plenty to talk about this week. Yes, we do. Folks, as I sit here tonight, this is the last time I will ever talk to you on these airwaves with Donald Trump, the president of these United States. That's correct. When I started at Radio Free Brooklyn, it was November, I think, 14th, 2016. We were six days in to this nightmare that we have been living through. Okay, okay. Well, it ends this week, our long national nightmare is over, kind of. Russia, if you're listening, I hope you're able to find the 30,000 emails that are missing. They broke the law with security clearances and, and using unsecured phones, which was a big thing when Democrats do it. The Chinese spies walking around Mar-a-Lago. <laughs> there was no security there. The big problem is using the military, which is a well-respected mm. organization and mm -hmm. well-respected group of people encourage them to be corrupt. If the Air Force, which appears the Air Force of the United States of America has been part of Trump's scheme to funnel himself mm. money at a Scottish resort by refueling and paying much more than he should at an airport that was about to close and by staying there. I think every American understands how bad that is. 1,000 former federal prosecutors have just signed a letter saying that this man committed obstruction of justice on multiple occasions, according to the Mueller right. report. So you know that he committed obstruction of justice. I would have charged him if I'd been in Mueller's... Uh... I am furious at this little small man trashing the people's house. You know, it is just infuriating that he has blown up the Hatch Act like this. And that all these people think these rules don't apply to them. Who do they think they are? He's uh, tweeting again conspiracy theories about Joe, falsely accusing him of murder, talking about the death of a young staffer in his congressional office years ago, and calling him dangerous to walk the streets. And I'll just say, I'll take a point of personal privilege here. That's sick. Donald, you're a sick person. 
federal prosecutors here in New York, professional prosecutors, not Bob Mueller's team, saying that the president paid Michael Cohen to commit a crime. Now, under the law, that would make the president as criminally liable as Michael Cohen. So if, if you pay me to shoot somebody and I shoot them, you're as liable as if you had pulled the trigger. That's the basic principle of law. This is the Southern District of New York. This is the oldest and most prestigious federal prosecutor's office in the country. They would not make an allegation like that if they did not have corroborated evidence to support it. And they cannot make an, an allegation like that unless they're going to do something with it. I, I'm sorry that he did it. Uh, he, uh, you know, I feel embarrassed uh, for him and, and by him. Was there a quid pro quo? The answer is yes. In one of your Mother's Day tweets, you appear to accuse President Obama of the biggest political crime in American history by yeah. far. Those were your words. What crime exactly are you accusing President Obama of committing, and do you believe the Justice Department should prosecute him? Uh, Obamagate. It's been going on for a long time. It's been going on from before I even got elected, and it's a disgrace that it happened. And if you look at what's gone on, and if you look at now all of this information that's being released, uh, some terrible things happened, and it should never be allowed to happen in our country again. And you'll be seeing what's going on over the next, over the coming weeks, but I, and I wish you'd write honestly about it, but unfortunately, you choose not to do so. I'm, what is the crime exactly that uh, you're accusing him of? You know what the crime is. The crime is very obvious to everybody. All you have to do is read the newspapers, except yours. Oh yes, just taking some time to reflect on the past four years. <laughs> yeah. And my, haven't they just been glorious? No, they haven't. And with that, let's discuss what's been going on in the news, what's been going on in the world. Donald Trump impeached for the second time. Yes, that's correct. <laughs> So last Wednesday, Donald Trump was impeached. Again. Look, say what you will about the guy, but no one can deny that he has been a historic president. I mean, he has done things that no president has ever done before. I mean, look, the guy managed to get impeached not once, but twice. And here's the kicker. He managed to do it all in just a single term. Oh, you're so funny. <laughs> Pretty Pretty unfucking believable, right? All right, all kidding aside, he really was impeached yet again. And this time it wasn't complicated whatsoever. Members of Congress wrote up a single article of impeachment charging Trump with inciting an insurrection. I mean, there's really not much else to it. We all saw what happened. We all know why it happened. Seems to be an open and shut case, no? Hell no! Well, let me just point this out. This was the most bipartisan impeachment in the nation's history. There were 10 Republicans. Now, 10. 10 out of hundreds. There were 10, and I guess that's good, 10 Republicans who also voted to impeach with the Democrats. That indeed did make it the most bipartisan impeachment of all time. Now, let's think about this for just a second. Of all the presidents who have ever been impeached, Donald Trump makes up 50% of them. What? 
you've got Andrew Johnson. He was impeached for firing, I think, an army secretary or something like that. He was impeached for, listen, Andrew Johnson was a terrible president. He was a real son bitch of a man. But let's be honest, the reason he was impeached was a stupid rule that they had probably put in place because they knew he would break it and they wanted to use it to impeach him. It was something ridiculous. Like he wasn't allowed to fire certain secretaries within his own cabinet. He did, and they impeached him for it. Uh, Richard Nixon wasn't impeached, but he would have been for obstruction of justice. Bill Clinton was impeached for perjury. Donald Trump was impeached the first time for extortion, extorting a foreign leader to dig up dirt on his political opponent, and the second time it was for inciting a violent insurrection. Oh my God, no! There is a big difference between Donald Trump's high crimes and misdemeanors and everyone else's. Perjury, obstruction of justice, sure, those are bad, certainly, but they aren't extortion or sedition inciting an insurrection. They just aren't. And Donald Trump is, there have been four impeachments. Donald Trump is two of them. So that's a stain on his historical record, if I ever did see one, okay? But let's talk for just a second about Ohio congressman and substitute gym teacher who lives with his dog, Jim Jordan. You know, look, politicians make calculations all the time. There were certain uh, Republicans who they voiced that they didn't think it was necessary to impeach him because, after all, he was leaving office soon and... A lot of them spouted this horse shit about unity and needing to heal the nation. That is pretty rich coming from these motherfuckers, okay? Uh, healing the nation unity. Really? Really? You didn't seem to give two shits about any of that stuff ever before, and you don't now, so stop being ridiculous. They can't. And you know who's more ridiculous than any of them? Jim Jordan. By the way, I can't talk about Jim Jordan without reminding people that Jim Jordan was a college wrestling coach for a long time. During his time as a college wrestling coach, his wrestlers came to him looking for help. Why? Because they were being molested by their team doctor. Jim Jordan didn't only do nothing to help them, but he did nothing to stop it, and he continued sending his players to this team doctor, this predator. That's Jim Jordan, okay? Now, if that doesn't make him real charming to you, well, maybe this will. Let me just remind you, this was about one thing and one thing only, and that is the insurrection, sedition, and violence that Donald Trump incited. That's what this was about. He incited it, he encouraged it, and then he sat back and watched it all play out on television. This took place on Wednesday, January 6th. That's what this impeachment was about. That's what they were supposed to be debating. Not even so much whether or not he did it. We all know he did it. We watched it happen. But whether or not he should be impeached and removed for doing it. That's what this was supposed to be an argument for or against. With that in mind, listen to some of the arguments that Jim Jordan stood up and made this past week. This past year, government told Americans you can't go to church, you can't go to work, you can't go to school. One hour ago, Democrats told Republicans new rules, new rules for the House. Today, 
You can say anything you want about the president. No, no rule on decorum. No rule about attacking personality. They can say anything they want. And we've seen that they've done that. Today on the floor, got to wear a mask. If your mask comes below your nose, you're going to get fined. And in order to come in here and debate and, de and represent, constitutionally represent your constituents, the 750,000 people we all get the privilege of serving, you had to walk through a metal detector. What are you talking about? Truly, sweet Mary, mother of God, what the fuck is this guy talking about? This is, what are you talking about? I, I, honest to God, what is he even talking about? I couldn't begin to tell you. I don't know. I honestly don't know how his fellow congressmen and women are able to just sit there and listen to this garbage coming out of his mouth. I mean, I can't even tell you. He's an insufferable human being. Insufferable human being. And he pointed out many times that Donald Trump was set to leave office in less than a week. That is not the point, though. And if he thinks that's the point, then he should be burned into oblivion. And I say that with nothing but love and kindness in my heart, okay? Eight days before there will be a peaceful transfer of power, just like there has been every other time in American history. But they're going to do impeachment. They're going to do it again. They've been obsessed with it. It is truly an obsession. People on the Democrat side started calling for impeachment the day President Trump was inaugurated. Wrong! They attacked him before he even won the first election. Before he won in 2016. No, they didn't. They might have pointed out some of the immoral things he had done or said. Maybe, maybe, but they weren't trying to impeach him. But regardless, the Capitol had just been attacked. He was there. His life was in danger. What is he talking... This is what, like a, what, a Democratic hoax? What's wrong with him? I just cannot believe that after they were attacked, after their lives were in danger, after this unthinkable thing happened at the Capitol building, it was seized, it was taken over. And he's still talking about these, and Democrats want to do this, and they've hated this president since the beginning, and my goodness, it's cancel culture. He was talking about cancel culture. Look, we can talk about cancel culture, but probably not here, what are you fucking talking about, you child of God? Moving right along. All right, also in the news. Okay, so let's talk for a second about Bill Maher. You know Bill Maher? Okay, well. I like Bill Maher a lot. I really do, and I've played him on this show before. Because he is very funny, very smart, and makes excellent points from time to time. But Bill Maher returned last week, and I'm, and I'm happy that he did. He's been off the air for his annual break, sabbatical, whatever you want to call it. He's been off the air since early November of last year, and I frankly missed him. I really was interested to hear his take on a lot of the things that have gone on during those two months. So I was happy to see him return last week. He kicked off season 19 of his show, Real Time, and his guests included none other than Kellyanne Conway, an old friend of his, by the way. Kellyanne Conway has been coming on Bill Maher's show since, I mean, for decades. He had a show on ABC called Politically Incorrect. She was a fairly frequent guest. And so they know each other pretty well. I mean, and frankly, I have no problem with it. I know that Bill Maher is friends with people like Ann Coulter. I mean, he has a wide variety of friends, and frankly, so do I. And so I don't hold that against him by any stretch of the imagination. What I do hold against him 
is this. He had her on the show and didn't ask a single tough question. Again, I like Bill Maher. I like his show. I think oftentimes when I see, you know, woke shitheads saying that he's out of touch and too old or something like that, I think it's nonsense and I stand up for him. Having said that, this episode of Real Time with Bill Maher, which was the premiere of season 19, was terrible. This was a terrible episode. All right, so here's how it started. Now, how do you look back now, four years later? <clears throat> I mean, anything go wrong? Every I'm just day, asking. I'm, I'm not... Every not, day I'm very grateful. Not being snarky, I'm just asking. But remember, a lot went right. Okay, so that right there, what you just heard, that was probably one of the tougher questions he asked. Did anything go wrong? Again, I have to emphasize, I understand... I mean, I've had people on this show before. I'm not comparing this show to his. His audience is probably a little wider, has a wider reach than this one. But I know what it's like to have people here in studio. They're a guest on your show. You treat them with respect. You're nice to them because you're a nice person. I get it. And he's friends with these people, so he doesn't want to attack them. Fine. But this really got ridiculous. He started the interview off. He actually thanked Kellyanne. For coming on, he, I mean, there's a difference between being courteous and nice and really lathering up their ass. First of all, I, I meant to think, I forgot to say it. That's okay. Thank you. Because we know you have many choices in airlines. <laughs> Thanks for flying. And interviewers. And New you rules. chose me. I really do appreciate that. Okay. This is a woman who, she goes on TV all the time. Maybe she hadn't been on in the past few weeks. So thank you, really. We appreciate all you've done for this world and the country. I don't get it. Alternative facts. This is a woman who introduced us to the term alternative facts. She has been a staunch liar and a staunch advocate for Donald Trump from beginning to till now. Throughout the whole interview, she did what she does, which is pivot. And in this case, she listed off all of the accomplishments Trump had. And I think the real disappointment for people like me is that the last two months, let's just say from November 6th to January 6th, weren't spent mostly talking about the accomplishments, reviewing the accomplishments. He built the greatest economy we've had in pre-COVID. He built it? It was pretty much built. Okay, come on, Bill. Well, Okay, first of all, so again, what you just heard was about as... I don't even want to say confrontational. I'm not advocating confrontational, but you got to stick to the facts and you need to call people out when they are just bloviating nonsense. And that's what she was doing. That was about as far as he was willing to go when it came to pointing out her misstatements. First of all, the greatest economy we've had, that is just absolute horse shit, okay? It is horse shit. According to the Washington Post, by just about any important measure, the economy was better under multiple presidents, to name a few. Eisenhower, Johnson, Clinton, Clinton, not exactly a ancient history president. She also talked about how the tax cuts, those were, they were the biggest tax cut in history. Wrong. There were larger tax cuts under Reagan and get this, under Obama. So what the fuck is she talking about? And why didn't Bill stop her and point it out? I don't get it. I don't get it. 
And then she just goes on this tear. She continues listing the accomplishments, and you hear Bill being like, okay, oh, I mean, can't get a word in. It's his show. The corporate tax rate went from 35% to 23%. These are facts. Okay. The poverty rate fell for the first time. I'm sorry, what did she just say? These are what? These are facts? Oh, really? Are they they normal facts or are they alternative facts? Okay. From 35% to 23%. These are facts. Okay. The poverty rate fell for the first time since 1959 levels. Wages exploded. No. And and you know what? Manufacturing, energy jobs, manufacturing, the kinds of people I grew up with. No argument there, you heard Bill say. And yeah, that's certainly true. He did not present an argument to anything. He really let her come on the show and just ramble on and on about all these successes. Jump in here, Bill. It's your show. Ask a question. Do you think you help normalize anything bad? You know, people have said that he did lie a little more than most presidents. I mean, no president is completely truthful, but let's... He's a bit of a fibber. I think the uh, politicians yeah. exaggerate and some lie. I think but but didn't he do a lot more than most? I mean, but d- didn't... In case you missed what she just said, she said, I think keeping your doctor was a big lie. She's referring to something Obama said when promoting the Affordable Care Act. If you like your doctor, you can keep your doctor. That is their number. They love to say Obama lied there. Here's Trump who lies about everything and anything, ranging from his taxes to who tried to meddle in our election in 2016. Was it Russia? Was it China? We don't know. Everyone knows but him. He lies constantly. And she actually said, the Obama, if you like your doctor, I just, I can't understand it. And what did Bill say about it? Nothing. You once said he doesn't hurl personal insults. I was making the point that... When he, when he is in the context of something. Excuse me, Kellyanne, you're trailing off. And I also have seen him be very, uh, very compassionate towards people. He's got people I, out of jail who were languishing there. I loved being in public service. I loved serving this country. I loved, I gave up millions of dollars to go into the White House. And I loved what my portfolio included, which was health care, education, the opioid crisis. Okay, screech, screech, health care. What did she do for health care? What did she do for health care? Not one damn thing. And why didn't Bill ask that? They tried for four years to repeal Obamacare. They didn't do it. They, they fucked with it, though. They made it worse. That's for damn sure. But they didn't repeal it. They couldn't do it. Is that what she's thinking of when she says her portfolio includes health care? The opioid crisis, is that solved? Hardly. Education. What did she do for education? They put Betsy DeVos in place as the Secretary of Education, who knows shit, doesn't know jack shit. But go on, by all means. And I really liked the the incoming, that people asking, do you have information on this? Can you help me steer this way? I don't know what I'm doing on this. There's a certain value to public service, and some people look the other way. And and that 74 million is not a base. It's a large percentage of this country. But for me, I look at the good that was done to help impact people's lives positively. I think that government is messy. I'm happy that I worked for a president uh, who 
kept the Oval Office door open to many of us. We can go in and express ourselves. I didn't win every policy debate, but I was heard. And I think any woman in a workplace who is heard by her boss and has a seat at the table should really appreciate that. All these corporate handbooks have it on page 684. We're going to have more women at the seat at the table. I had one. Are you fucking kidding me? Kellyanne, just because he was good to you, a woman, hardly makes him good for women. Yeah, jackass. I mean, the guy who's on a recording talking about grabbing pussies, she's really sitting on TV saying that he was good for women and she had a place at the table. Good for you. That's for you. You are one person. Being good to a woman does not make Trump good for women. Step back. Look at the bigger picture. Has he really done a lot for women? I don't think so. And again, none of these theories, none of these accomplishments were challenged by the host, Bill Maher. Why the f*** not? I don't understand. And here, listen to the next thing she says. I think this is very, very key. And like I said, I, I lost some of those policy debates. But, I won some. But he always liked people to disagree in front of him, too. But he is the president. He represents the country. What did she just say? She's, she didn't say he liked people to disagree with him. No, that is not what she said. What she said was he liked people to disagree in front of him. That is something that I have read. That is something I've heard about him. That is a type of mind game certain people with any type of power play on their subordinates, pits them against each other, has them present their ideas as if one wins and the other loses, and they are going to present in front of him to see who will prevail. That is a type of way to just brew hostility amongst your team. That is a horrible and Un, a truly abhorrent leadership method, and it never works. It's a way to pit people against each other. It is not a way to really accomplish anything or get a cooperative team working together collaboratively. And that's what she said. Listen again. But he always liked people to disagree in front of him, too. But he is the president. He represents the... To disagree in front of him. Not to disagree with him. He certainly didn't like that. Now, okay. This is another problem I had with the episode in general. There were a lot of weird personal grievances that he seemed to air on this episode that it was very weird. For example, again, didn't challenge Kellyanne at any point. Instead, he listed a list of things that Donald Trump had said about him. Look, Who's surprised that Donald Trump says bad things about celebrities? You could pull any celebrity's name out of a hat. Meryl Streep, Rosie O'Donnell, sure, Bill Maher, any NFL player, most NBA players. He has said terrible things about all of them and many more. And many more. What's with this personal... I mean, Bill, just like it's not about Kellyanne when we're talking about women, it's not about you. Who cares what he has said about you? Frankly, like, why does Bill care? Bill's not a affected by it. There are other people who really are. Like, oh, I don't know, that congresswoman from Minnesota, Omar. Things that he says about her really do put her in danger. 
things he says that incites insurrections, really put people in danger. He took time on the show to list out a bunch of stupid insults that Trump has tweeted about Bill Maher. There was another portion of the show where he he went off for like multiple minutes about this company in California that has apparently used his name while promoting their CBD products. No one knows this company. No one knows this product. He's just given them the best publicity they'll ever get. But he's mad that they used his name and they said you'll be hearing he said you'll be hearing from my lawyer. That is something you leave on their voicemail machine, not a segment on real time. I mean, what's going on here? This was it was very weird. But um I don't know. The show went on and uh there was no setting the record straight from Bill, not once. So you you think nothing good came out of the last? Four I'm years just for think, people I'm in this just country. asking about that list. You know the, the people who the people who believed in Donald Trump, the forgotten man and forgotten woman, they appreciate an expansion of school choice and charter schools. You know, and I think it's important to recognize you have dead terrorists named Soleimani, you El Baghdadi. I'm you all have for that. the whole judiciary. All for dead terrorists. Bill, wake up, Bill. Dead terrorists. And Bill goes, I'm all for that. I'm all for dead terrorists. Maybe point out that we've also got a dead journalist named Jamal Khashoggi. And how about the over 400,000 dead Americans? That's over 400,000 so far who have died from COVID-19. How could Bill just say nothing there? I mean, the... Outrageous. You are out... It was very, very frustrating and weird and maddening. You had Kellyanne Conway there. Her own husband would have been a harsher questioner than Bill Maher was. He asked no hard questions. Do you think maybe you um, contributed to something bad? Okay. That's his toughest question, really? It just was so thugging frustrating and that was only the beginning that was just the kelly and conway portion so then he goes over to panel and the panel consisted of katie couric beloved american journalist katie couric and some radio host from kentucky but there were a number of things that bill said that were just weird he went on about this cbd company and he was kind of derisive towards joe biden I don't know. Take a listen. Joe Biden's rehearsal dinner. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, inauguration rehearsal was postponed today because of threats of violence and fear of violence. Why not just junk the whole thing? Why are we going outside? I mean, uh, all, I, all I hear all the time is like, you know, because of COVID, we have to not travel and not get into big crowds. So why are we having this inauguration? Why can't he just go in a room? All you need is a room, the wife, a judge, a balloon, <laughs> a copy of the old book of Jewish fairy tales to put your hand, <laughs> hand on, and you're done. I think, I think it's, Bill, it's an important symbol of closing the chapter on Donald Trump, turning the page. I think there has to be some kind of special event to signify. I, I don't know. I think it's important for the democratic That's... process to have something happen. And you don't I want mean... to let the kooks win. I mean, the biggest thing is if you go to QAnon message boards and those types of things, if you postpone the inauguration, they believe they won. 
And it's an important thing. What do you fucking bill to just, why are we having an inauguration? Okay. Like, shut the fuck up. This is, this is our guy. This is our president. Let I mean, he's, he is taking over from the evil man. And it was, it was just like this constantly. And I agree with Katie. I think because he never conceded, because he is totally deranged. And drop-kicking any and all norms, didn't invite the Bidens over to show them around the White House. Now, granted, Joe Biden knows his way around the White House, but it's just a formality. It's an act of goodwill. Trump has no goodwill. He also didn't, he's not going to attend the inauguration. I mean, look, if I were Biden, and I know Biden feels the same way, good riddance, fuck him, big deal. But it's just another norm that Donald Trump is completely negating. And so, no, don't poo-poo it. This is a celebratory time. This is a time to feel really good. We are turning the new leaf. We are ending this reign of terror. God damn it. And, I mean, I did not like the way he was talking about Joe Biden. I really didn't. And here, here is a perfect example. And by the way, Katie Couric didn't like this either. But don't we have to keep Joe Biden going? You know, <laughs> Joe Biden, he's, he, he's a friggin' tragedy magnet. I, I don't, mean, we... Oh, don't say that. It's not true? Well, I mean, I, I think he, that, that's... A, he broke that's, his that's foot giving playing... giving me a bad feeling, don't he say He broke that. his foot playing with his dog. But, I, I, I mean, he, but his eye to... exploded from blinking. I, I, <laughs> we have to treat this guy like the baby in Children from Men. You know, Children of Men, whatever that movie was, where they had to keep the baby alive. I think I, he's pretty, I think he's pretty vibrant and in good shape. You saw him run across the stage when he so. made that speech. I think... Okay, first of all, that was very, very weird. I mean, that was just weird. When he says... Joe Biden is a tragedy magnet. Yeah, Katie Couric was uncomfortable, like I was, because when you hear that, you immediately think his first wife and young daughter died in a terrible car accident. His young sons were injured badly in that accident. One of those sons died recently from cancer. His son, Bo, he's lost two children is th I mean, is that really what he's talking about? And why? Why are we talking about that in such a kind of derisive way? And that's made Katie uncomfortable, and she said so. To then say, like, what do you mean? Isn't it true? He, he, he had an eye problem and something random else. And then he brings up some movie no one's ever heard of. I'm sorry, but Bill... Like, what are you talking about? What are we, what's going on here? Totally unnecessary. Uh, this is unnecessary negativity. This is not, we don't, look, there's so much shit going on in the world. Like, why, why are you being negative about Joe Biden? Why are you, why is anyone being fucking negative about Joe Biden? <gasps> He's not even in office yet, God damn it. He's going to have people attacking him from left and right. He doesn't need his own side doing it. Last thing he said that really pissed me off, and as you can see, there was a lot. This was not a good episode, and I really was turned off by it. He went on to talk about, because as we know, Twitter has banned Donald Trump. Well, apparently Bill Maher doesn't, doesn't like that. I, I, don't, I don't know. Let me ask you about that Twitter thing, because he was thrown off 
Twitter. He was thrown off all the platforms. And Jack Dorsey, who runs Twitter, said, <laughs> he said, this sets a precedent I feel is dangerous. Yeah, but <laughs> what I just did, I'm saying I feel is dangerous. The ACLU said it should concern everyone when companies like Facebook and Twitter wield the unchecked powers to remove people from platforms that have become indispensable for the speech of billions. Um, I'm a free speech person. I mean, fuck Trump. But when someone, anyone, anywhere decides, you know, what speech is allowed and what isn't, I don't know. You're not allowed to yell fire in a crowded theater. So if you're inciting violence... Well, and you're spreading lies that are getting people fired well, up. Lies is always violence, and there are certain standards and practices. These are private companies. People have to adhere to standards and practices. But who, who are these mythical people that America can agree on are smart <laughs> and principled? Maybe you get a, a because th- that's the problem with America that we can't agree on that. Okay, thank God Katie Kirk was there, right? She's the voice of reason, which is very strange. You don't usually need someone other than Bill Maher to be the voice of reason. But in this case, this was not a good night for Bill Maher. Okay. But, okay, so I, I this is baffling to me. So he's talking about Twitter banning Trump, and he's, look, I'm a free speech person. We're all free speech people. Who is saying that Trump can't say the things that he wants to say? He can say them. Twitter, as Katie Kirk points out, is a private company. They are not obligated to give him that platform. He has violated their terms and conditions multiple times. They gave him warnings. They gave him uh, temporary suspensions. He continued to flout their rules, and so he got banned. That's what happens. It's, I mean, that's what happens. God damn it. I mean, what are we even talking about here? Twitter has no obligation to give him a platform to spew his... Venom, vitriol, and lies. And it is dangerous. We have seen the result of it. I'm a free speech person, as if other people aren't. What do you, I mean, what are they talking about? I don't get it. And I was excited to have him back, and I'm, you know, maybe this was just a one-off. But really, to be shitting on Joe Biden and talking like that about him before he even takes office, to be kind of downplaying the inauguration, the importance of having a new president take office and talking about free speech as if Twitter banning someone is truly infringing their right to free speech. It isn't. There are plenty of people not on Twitter. Jesus. Twitter sucks, by the way. I mean, like, fuck Twitter. Twitter is just a Facebook status without Facebook. Okay? So, yeah, not a good episode of Real Time with Belmar. So we have the inauguration coming up. That's going to be on Wednesday. And next time we speak, ding dong, the witch will be gone and hopefully prosecuted, hopefully at least charged. He'll have a lot of court cases to defend himself against and a lot of legal fees to pay. And where that money's going to come from, I couldn't tell you because he's already in debt and Deutsche Bank has vowed never to do business with him ever again. And that's Deutsche Bank, the only bank that was willing to lend him money ever because he's a known sack of shit. He's a known sack of shit. And that is the news of the day. If you enjoy this show, please remember to subscribe and rate us on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, or whatever it's called. We're also available on Spotify, Google Play, TuneIn, basically wherever podcasts are found. If you can find podcasts there, you can find us there. Follow us on Twitter. We're at 
Next Best Radio. That's at Next Best Radio. And of course, feel free to follow me. I'm at J O N B as in boy L E R N E R. That's J O N no H B as in boy L E R N E R. That's my handle on Twitter, Instagram, all that fun stuff. You're listening to the next best thing. And that's all, and okay, we'll be back. back.